Hello and welcome to To The Edge and Beyond, a series that makes sense of powerful innovation for real-world applications. It's brought to you by the Intel Internet of Things Group. Hello and welcome to The Edge and Beyond, brought to you by the Intel Internet of Things Group. I'm your host, Justin Honoré. Thank you for joining us. Today, we're discussing modernizing power grids using intelligent, data-driven technologies at the edge, what the future holds for modernization in energy sectors, and what needs to be done to keep up with current and future energy demands. Joining us is Adam Berninger, Director of Customer Experience and Revenue Operations in the Industrial Solutions Division, and Paul Kajiria, Global Segment Lead for the Power Sector in the Industrial Solutions Division. Gentlemen, thank you for your time, and how are we doing today? Fantastic. Yeah, great, Justin. Thanks for having us. What is the latest in electricity demand, renewable energy, and sustainability? So if we look at the demand for electricity, worldwide is increasing. Uh, number one thing is that as electrification of transportation sector happens, okay, we're going to need more electricity. The second big thing which has been going on for many years is the digitalization of our commerce. As more and more commerce is moving online, which drives the need for more data centers, which drives the need for more electricity. And if you look at these two things, and then you combine with uh, the electricity generation resources, worldwide, the trend is to have sustainable electricity sources whether it is coming from sun using the solar or uh, the wind turbines to generate the renewable energy. So that that's how kind of a world is moving towards. More electricity in the world is demanding from cleaner uh, energy resources. Yeah, some, some things that come to my mind in addition to what you're saying uh, is the, probably the mix of production and consumption are also changing, right? I mean, obviously demand's grown every year I think I saw some data from the, the World Bank out of the last 50 years. Demand has grown every year except for five. If you look at just our lives in general, more and more things are plugged in, more and more things are requiring electricity. Uh, you look at new things that are even changing in terms of automobiles are now becoming plugged in. You know, if you think about just in you know, our normal day, right? we, we kind of go to bed at a certain clock time, whether it's you know, 9, 10 o'clock at night, 11 o'clock, whatever it is, and our use of electricity goes down. Uh, quite a bit from there. And it kind of peaks back up in the morning, goes down, kind of st stays about steady, and then it goes back up in the evening. So this kind of, you know, curve of, of consumption has really uh, changed quite a bit over the past few years, where it's gone from more of this two humps to now it's called a duck curve, where because of all this solar and sustainable uh, energy that's coming out of the grid re with renewables, more and more of our consumption is happening at times when there's less uh, energy produced uh, by the grid itself and coming off of more smart and renewable devices. Why is it so important to accomplish modernization in the energy sector? And how exactly can we go about doing that while also still being able to meet that demand, so to speak? Yeah, you know, we think about the grid in general. For the last 50, 60 years, it's, it's pretty much stayed the same up until recently. It hasn't changed much. And so things that have been deployed for the last couple decades or beyond haven't really been modernized. So that, that need for modernization is very strongly there. Um, and now technology is kind of catching up with that. Uh, 
you have things like I said with the kind of Google the duck curve and kind of see what that implication means um, when you talk about energy. But there's there's transformations happening in terms of how consumption is 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 applying itself, but also how demand is being generated. So that that need to to modernize is truly here, coupled with the fact that now technologies are coming more and more on board to allow for for that modernization to take advantage of technologies like. Um, virtualization or more secure, manageable type of, of uh, devices and practices that have been deployed for for decades across the the IT organizations or IT side of, of technology to have those kind of come in and start helping uh, energy producers become more modern and more efficient. Looking at that, more and more homes worldwide here in U.S. are getting solar on the rooftop. So I always say that when mom and dad go to work, okay, and the kids go to school, all the electricity generated by those solar panels on the rooftop is coming back to the grid. So then we have on the other side, large scale solar farm and wind farms, which are generating electricity. And the as weather changes, the electricity generation switches very quickly. Now what we saw is a constant seesaw happening. So this seesaw which is happening one time, we have a lot of electricity on both sides, okay? But on, on the ne next minute, the electricity can drop on both sides. The generation can drop by 50%, 60%, 70%. And the load fluctuates back and forth. And in order to make the grid more reliable or keep the reliability of the grid where it is today with these sustainable energy resources, which are constantly changing. So we need to inject the technology into the system. And as Adam mentioned, whether the compute devices at the edge, which are going to consolidate, aggregate all the data, and we use the power of analytics to make the decision and have a have a greater visibility. So that, that's how kind of we need to accomplish the modernization uh, to meet the energy needs uh, of the world going forward. Now, both of y'all kind of touched on kind of that off and on approach when it comes to when energy is being utilized most when it comes to these renewables, especially uh, Perf Paul, you mentioned the solar panels on the houses. But as we're kind of starting to transition to more EVs on the road, as another example of a renewable energy that's being put into practice, you're seeing more EVs be put out into the market. What sort of impact do you think that those could have on the grid of itself just because of how many times people have to charge these things. And as more get continued to be added into the transportation cycle, what sort of impact that could have on the overall grid if it's not prepared, so to speak? So so look at what from one side, if on average house have somewhere between two to four cars, in all those four cars getting charged at home in the night, all of a sudden the electricity demand from each house is going to quadruple, okay? And that load is going to shift towards the grid. In, in today's world where we, when everybody goes to the work, 
we get in the morning, we get a peak, we go to the work, we come back, we have an evening peak. But our peak of the energy is going to sh uh, shift towards the night when there is very little, there is no renewable and there is only only wind wind at that uh, available at the time. So that that is the biggest challenge. The, the EVs are going to impact the grid by shifting the demand and increasing uh, the load on the grid by four times. In it, we cannot get out of it to say, okay, let's put dig the ground and put more wires in, in manage and manage that way. No, we cannot do it. It's going to be too expensive. Okay. So what we have to do is that we need to deploy the technology and maybe every house has a storage, a intelligence, a intelligent system, which I call it the each houses will act like a, 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 a pico grid or a nano grid where you have a local storage, the daytime you generated the electricity, stored it, then it communicated with the grid then it will work it out when to charge, what to charge. And that that requires basically that kind of intelligent system at the edge, uh, like an industrial PC or, or an edge server in that that is making all that in, intelligent decisions, communicating with the grid, uh, grid for greater visibility and smooth transition. And on the other side, it can flip is that in the future, what we call it a vehicle to grid. If there is too much power stored in these electric vehicles, can that power be pulled from the vehicles by the grid to use it for grid stability? For sure, storage is is going to be a necessary um, component of kind of this the shift to transportation or shift to electric vehicles. In the world today, most of the consumption from a transportation perspective is usually oil, oil related, right? As it's moving to EV, the, that shift now switches the, the the carbon, if you will, or hopefully even to to no carbon. But you're shifting from one source to another. So you, obviously, you can't push gasoline through an electric wire, but you're really looking to transfer the way the energy is consumed. And so that is a major transformation that, that's happening right now, where how much consumption is being used and how it's being used, just, just that mix of, of consumption and production, like I spoke about earlier, is, is, is really an impact to the grid. And as Paul, you said, right, that, that storage component is, is critical. But I think that the, the other impact when we talk about EVs in the grid is really this notion of, of being smarter, of having more data, having more insights. Uh, when we think about knowledge of, you know, maybe what, what you're planning to drive, where you're planning to drive to, where you're going to be at for, for the next day, or what the weather's going to look like. Does that maybe impact how much solar, how much wind, green energy is being created? Um, and so that ability to store, predict, and shift energy is really the major impacts that, that we're seeing and reading about and learning about in terms of the, the grid uh, being impacted by the electrification of, of vehicles and transportation. Because obviously that electric vehicle still has to get powered up somehow, some way. So it's just a matter of what energy is going to be able to do that. And what other uh, clean energy sources do you guys see kind of a, a potential growth, especially as the years go on and we get more adaptation in the EVs and other renewable energies? We talk about solar a lot, I think just because it's probably had a little bit longer 
life, if you will. It's been around for a little bit longer. Um, but you know, there's lots of lots of different renewables that are out there, uh, and they all have their drawbacks, right? If you think about solar or wind or tidal, these things uh, don't always produce at the same level, right? The wind doesn't blow constantly. The sun doesn't shine constantly. Uh, tides tides have some shifting uh, as well that happen depending on storms and weather. So that variability is really what what you know, kind of impacts some of this. When you think about a, a energy producer, distributor, or transmission uh, side of the the house, what do they really want? They want reliability. They want the ability to manage their their assets and their and their their power. Have it be done as efficiently as possible and make sure that it's secure. So when we think about renewables and what what else is there, you know, there, there's the the big the big three. You have also kind of geothermal, but there's other things that are coming on board. You know that that'd be there from from a storage, but also from a, a creation perspective. Uh, the other thing I'd maybe add with these, whether it's solar, whether it's um, wind, or or the like, you know, these companies have been doing and taking advantage of technology for several years now to make it more efficient. That's one of the main pushes that we see companies trying to do: either modernize to be more cost effective, or modernize to use new business tools and technology to get more out of their their um, their power plant or their distribution or generation. Chris Paul knows a lot more than I do with 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 these. He's our he's our expert. So I don't know if I've missed some of those other other renewables that are coming online, Chris. I think one of the big areas uh, is going to be what we call generate energy locally and consume energy locally. So which is kind of a microgrids. In 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 the microgrid world as Adam mentioned, you know, we, we got the solar already, okay, in, but one storage also. But one big thing is going to be is that fuel cells using clean energy uh, like hydrogen. So if we can generate that energy locally and consume it locally, and what, what is going to create is going to create a big opportunity for microgrids. Every large industrial facility will will have this kind of microgrids whether it's a big including big warehouses or uh, big box stores so they're going to have these microgrids creating the energy in again these microgrids require intelligent compute at the edge in that compute will basically decide what is the the cleanest source of energy and what is the cheapest source of energy do i basically use my storage here or I get the power from the grid. What is the best option available available for me? So we see all these cleanable energy, the clean energy resources are combined with this microgrid uh, technology is going to create a tremendous opportunity uh, in the coming years and also provides very big flexibility to, to the consumers, whether they're large industrial sector or or factories or, or any big big place, so that they can choo- pick and choose how to power their facility in, in using the clean, reliable source of energy. Both of you hit home on how intelligent edge compute can create opportunities for microgrid technologies to utilize cleaner energy. But how do energy providers realistically move resources to the edge to become more efficient? When we think about computing in general and and moving closer to the edge, uh, we're really talking about, I'd say, three things. 
One is going to be connecting the unconnected, so connecting these devices that are not connected today. But it's also then adding intelligence at that edge so that you're getting more information, more ability to maybe do analysis on information, more awareness, more being able to more more cleanly kind of manage and secure that data. And then the third one is really around creating more multifunctional devices. So uh, that's things like virtualization. So when we talk about how edge computing is helping, right? It's it's making sure that things are connected both to the network or to a cloud or to, to some side of, some sort of data uh, structure that's there, but then being able to, to take advantage of it and, and use an edge compute device that maybe is multifunctional. So it's not just a, a single function device. And then that last piece of really having it be intelligent. Um, so connected, intelligent, and kind of consolidated would be uh, how edge computing is really helping the industry modernize and, and take advantage of the things that have been around for, like I said, several decades on the IT side of it. Uh, you know, these technologies have been proven. And, and now uh, this industrial edge compute platform is really coming of age today so that an energy producer, energy distributor uh, can really uh, modernize their, their own infrastructure to, to take advantage of those proven technologies. Let me just share with you one use case on the power grid side. You know, one of the critical infrastructure in the power grid is substations, because substations are responsible for distributing to the powers to homes and businesses. If you look at the substations of today, what are, what are they composed of? They have multiple devices, this multi-function devices, and each device is doing one thing, dedicated thing. And if we jump to the, to the next arena, if we start using the virtualization there, so what we can do uh, in a substation, there are two logical buses called a station bus and a process bus at higher level. All those uh, individual uh, single function devices sitting on the station bus can be consolidated using a industrial edge compute. So this is what it's a standardized rugged server where they can combine a cluster of servers and virtualize uh, all those applications lo locally. And so that 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 how it will be achieved. And the second piece is called process bus. And in a process bus, which which utilities call intelligent electronic devices, again fixed feature function devices and each substation might have a 20, 30, depending upon the size of the substation. And so we can consolidate them also. So what it will lead to a intelligent edge in the substation, which will independently virtualize or consolidate all the functions on the station bus in all the process bus. And then you have a centralized management service you can manage all those workloads sitting from your control control center. That is how utilities will move to the modern arena. In what it will do for them, first thing, it will reduce the number of devices at the edge. Second thing, it will reduce their operational cost significantly. In the third thing, it will reduce their capex. So it is a win-win for everybody. And it sounds like there's just a lot of possibilities out there to utilize this type of technology. But 
Where has Intel been helping energy producers best utilize edge computing the most? We started this initiative with the working with the utilities, uh, I think almost almost five years ago. In what we say is the utilities that you have this vast infrastructure and has have thousands of devices in you you cannot manage them and every time you have to go and roll the truck. So what what Intel did it we bring the uh, brought the whole ecosystem together. In that we first work with the hardware manufacturers to build the rugged servers, then and industrial PCs which are specific to the energy market, and then work with various software companies to build the software defined infrastructure on the top of it, and then we have all uh, some of the major OEMs come and work work with us to build their application or bring their applications to this platform. And currently we have a five active pilot programs with the utilities going here in North America uh, to show them the value proposition of using standardized hardware virtualization platform, which have proven their value uh, and reliability in the data center, bringing that to the edge to meet all their real-time deterministic requirements in working with various application vendors to bring those applications uh, to the edge. So that's the kind of a work uh, Intel has done to put the whole ecosystem uh, partners together to solve the problems of utilities. You know, the virtualization is one. Uh, other pieces where we talk about, you know, automation and control. You know, how do how do we help drive, um, you know, smarter substations or smarter microgrids? Those are two that we've we've worked with, you know, companies in in Europe and and elsewhere. And the interesting thing about this modernization piece that we're talking about, how we're bringing kind of more compute to the grid, making it more um, robust, more more capable, um, is is we've seen kind of different business models start spinning off of this. So some of the utility companies, as they look at this, they have either more data, more flexibility, more ways of maybe changing their business model to, to help the consumer, right, you and me and, and others, uh, receive the the best quality of of electricity. You know, we we oftentimes take it for granted that we turn a light switch on and it goes on. Um, but you know, as, as we've seen in the past, whether it's you know specific areas or, or parts of the country or different countries, when electricity is is unreliable, it really impacts our life because so much of our life now is is plugged in or needs some energy from from somewhere. So we've seen this this piece of them using technology to modernize, but then also modernizing some of their business as well to come up with either new business models or new ways to to provide the best service for their customers. Um, so whether it's you know things like uh, virtualization or substation pieces or microgrid, um, as well as other areas where we've helped with maybe how to optimize battery um, storage and so forth based on on grid needs and so, such. Uh, you know we've got several that we're working with. Uh, you, you can go to our, our website. It's it's a very fascinating time when you talk about modernization uh, because it's full of change. I think one of your questions you had earlier was just what's what's going on with energy. And my response is it's changing, and there's a full host of of needs that are different today than they were five ten years ago. 
we're so dependent on reliable energy, energy that, you know, when we flip on that light switch that it's going to turn on or that the air conditioning is going to work in the hot summer months or that the heat's going to work in the winter months during a winter storm, so to speak. And with all these type of new energies being, well, maybe not necessarily new, but more expanded energies being introduced where does that kind of fit in the overall power grids across the country? With all these different types of renewables being introduced at one time, are our current grid infrastructures like best equipped to handle all these things so quickly? I think our grid is not ready to handle this. The demand for the electricity, which is increasing day by day, in the penetration of renewables or various energy resources, whether rooftop solar, wind, wind energy, fuel cells, storage, you name it. It is the perfect storm. And no, we, we are not ready to handle it. And that is what, what we need to do is that go focus on modernizing the grid and where the modernization starts. And I think the modernization needs to start at the edge the point of contact on one side where the consumers are connecting to the grid because grid is becoming a two-way infrastructure. I always say that, think about a traffic light has not been invented and the traffic shows showed up on the street from the both sides, okay? It's, it, it's a chaos, okay? And that's kind of a things happening here where the flow of electrons is happening bi-directional, but our infrastructure is not ready. So that's the one challenge we are dealing with it. And the second challenge which we are dealing with is that as the energy demand and generation goes up and down, our system is not designed to be dynamic to adjust to it. Our system is very static. And that's what kind of we saw that collapse in taxes because a static system, it cannot uh, meet the sudden increase in demand. It had, it had no way to deal with it. So what we need to do is that we need to make the grid data-driven, where as the demand increases, we have the data and we can process the data and make a faster decision and bring those resources online to smoothen the infrastructure and we don't have the failures which we we have seen um, last year. You know, obviously the, the tragedy that happened in Texas impacted people personally, uh, companies, you know, it's a very, very tragic uh, event. And unfortunately that kind of, I think, opened the eyes to to some people saying, wow, there's, this can be a problem. And so, you know, when we talk about deploying this technology there, as Paul was saying, it's, it's really understanding what data is available, what's making better predictions of what needs to be done, being able to add more flexibility. I think that's a common theme that we've kind of talked about, right, is this need of more diversity in the way that energy is produced, but also more flexibility in that so we can toggle on and off or, or shift things more easily. The other thing that comes to mind when I think about, you know, just the changes that kind of weather or impacts it, the grid is can be a single f source of failure when it can, becomes overloaded and overwhelmed. It, it causes system-wide issues. How do grid operators best prepare for that? Uh, some of that is the consumption is changing and the needs are changing. And now there's you know, whether technology or other other things that are available for 
these operators to take advantage of. And we see a, you know, a big traction from that. We're wanting to use newer technology, how, how to get this new capability online, as well as uh, managing and securing it. One thing we didn't talk too much on is just the need for security, right? Weather is one impact, but also what happens if your grid is insecure? You know, what happens if a if a nation state wants to, or some hackers want to, to go and attack the grid and overwhelm some of it that can cause massive ripple on effects throughout areas that aren't even closely related to that one specific pinpoint um, substation or what have you. So, you know, the cost of failover is, is massive. And so I think companies are looking at these differently in terms of, you know, what, what should I be doing and how should I be doing it? How do I do it faster? How do I do it more efficiently so that I don't face these big mammoth problems in the future? Adam, you, you touched on companies are looking, what sort of areas companies should be looking at, but when it comes to these private and public companies, these partners, where can they all work together? Because I feel there's a lot of great minds when it comes to the energy sector. How can they work together so that we have better grid reliability? Yeah, a great question. In my role, I'm really helping our, our customers and partners you know, get the most out of the technology in the, in the energy space and the industrial space. And so, you know, we work with a number of customers to really bring those products that are meant and built for the energy and energy space, utility space. And so this thing you really touched on it, right? This notion of both private and public working together is needed. I think the other thing that's there is taking advantage of best practices and, and new technology at the same time. So if you kind of merge those those four areas together, um, that's where the solution sets are starting to kind of overlap, where you're not just having one, one great mind think in one way, but you're having multiple solutions kind of come together to fit the, the problem, but also taking advantage of best practices, whether it's cloud, whether it's software, whether it's specific hardware inf- interfaces that are needed, as well as uh, the ability to, to secure and manage that from an operation standpoint. So, you know, your question really, you know, how and where are they doing this? A lot of, lot of times, you know, we're trying to help, like I said, our partners and customers as well as help the energy market with either proofs of concept or other areas where we're kind of helping them deploy and, and design the, the software and hardware that's needed to go and, and take advantage of this modernization that's that's in in flight today. We call it a, a utility-driven innovation because utilities are the end customers. They understand their pain points. And so, so the taking, working with them and bringing all the technology partners from the industrial edge compute to software to applications to, to EPCs. So bringing that whole ecosystem together and as Adam mentioned, that we we go through those POCs, that process, and that process is to learn it, do go through the POCs and pilot program, and then we come across on the other side with a clear ROI, and that will drive the adoption of technology technology in the energy sector, and it will uh, create the opportunities uh, for the private industry which is investing into building those technologies to meet the utility needs. Seems like you guys have a lot of great ideas to kind of help further this discussion. And it's going to take a lot of those, especially as we adopt this more. But thank you so much for joining us. Uh, How can anybody get in touch with you guys if they want to pick your guys' brains some more? Yeah, feel free to reach out to me on, on LinkedIn, linkedin.com slash IN slash Berninger, my last name, uh, as well on our on our web webpage, intel.com slash energy. Uh, 
or two ways to get a hold of me. Yeah, so same way. Uh, my full name is Preetpal Khajuria, and, and they can reach out to me uh, via LinkedIn. And I'm happy to answer any questions. Be sure to check those guys out. They got a lot of great expertise. But thank you guys for tuning into this episode of To the Edge and Beyond, brought to you by the Intel Internet of Things crew. As always, make sure to subscribe to this channel on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or Simplecast to hear more from the Intel Internet of Things crew.